Well, if you're out there, if, if we're up, hello and good evening and welcome to uh, the live feed um, Wednesday night at Parkway Baptist. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight we are in the book of Jude and we are um, quickly coming to the end of our, of our Through the Bible in one year. It took us a little bit longer than a year, but not too much longer. We had a lot of, uh, lot of adjustments we had to make with our calendar um, through the year for a lot of different things, which is fine. But tonight we'll be in Jude. Jude is a very, very short letter. Uh, it's only, um, let's see, tw- is it 25 verses? Is that right? Yeah, 25 verses. Should we explain why we jumped forward to Jude? Sure, Jude? yeah, you can. Yeah. Go right ahead. Logan, I still haven't seen the live feed pop up for Facebook Live yet. Check, check. You got it? Check, check. Oh, okay. Yeah, there I am. Uh, yeah, so the reason that we're jumping forward to Jude it's and we're, we're uh, not permanently, but just temporarily skipping over 1st through 3rd John is because Jude and 2nd Peter are a lot alike. Um, they're, they're very similar. And so Stringfellow has married them together to kind of help you to see the similarities. And I think it was actually really smart of him to do that, um, especially if you read through Jude. Uh, I know it was a really long endeavor, but I mean... Uh, for those of you who did it, just champions of the faith. So I just, but anyway, that's why you did it. Yeah. <clears throat> also, we continue to get feedback from, uh, from those that watch live feed. That they want to be able to hear you when you make comments and have questions. Okay. Um, this is going to require a little work and a little patience. So whenever we come, if you want to make a comment about the Bible study while we're here, a uh, couple things. You're going to have to give us just a second. If we can do one or two things, we can either put the microphones in the aisles and hope the microphone picks up your voices, or you can actually make your way to the microphone and ask the question. Or some nice human being could uh, could volunteer to take the microphone quickly to the person that wants to ask the question. Um, so anyway, it's just that's just something we're going to have to we're going to have to work through. And I understand. I think it would be very helpful because not everybody. Um, comes on Wednesday night, obviously, but, but most people that don't come still do want to listen in and see what we're talking about. Um, and I think the discussion is, is, is very helpful when you ask questions, because I mean, the chances are if you ask a question, somebody else, what, has the exact same question, right? Yeah. So um, I, think, I think that was it. Yeah. Wasn't that all we talked about? Just right yeah. Before? Yeah, okay. I think so. All right. So Jude, um, 25 verses. So do you think we'll get through this tonight? Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. we will. Okay. We will. Um, any praises tonight, by the way? Anybody got a praise? Something great going on in their life you want to share? Uh, how's your job going? Yeah. Jennifer. You liking it? Wonderful. Jennifer, I'm sorry. My just eyes so everyone knew. your name just did not register immediately. My apologies. So everything's going good? Wonderful. Okay. We're glad you're back. Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> just thought I'd ask. Yes, Kathy. I've got one. We're going to be grandparents. All right. Whoa. Yes, that is. Oh, come on. That wasn't a big enough cheer. Yeah. Woo. The Flemings are going to be grandparents. Man. The Flemings are going to be grandparents. Now. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Now, yes. Oh, a grand, no, grand, grandchild number two. Grandparents second time. Hallelujah. 
Now, while we're on the topic, why don't you tell us or tell the congregation within the, over the next year we should have ha- not you're not he's not pregnant again. That's not what I meant. Y'all are thinking I'm crazy. No, 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 no. Although that would be great. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, how many babies the, the Lord is adding to the nursery with over the next several months? We are getting six new six little beauties. new arrows for the quiver. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Yep. To shoot out into this crooked Our nursery workers are so excited. Yes. I just can't wait. I bet wait. they are. Just a little bundle of joy. And just so joy. you know, uh, typically when you look at churches and revitalization and future and wondering, you know, what God is doing and are we going to be okay, he typically sends a very strong message that, yes, I am with the fellowship when babies come along. Can you amen that? Well, unless you're Abraham and Sarah as well, right? I mean, usually babies mean we have younger people in the church and that's, that's uh, we, we need all generations. And so we do. Uh, praise God for that. Right. Yep. Okay. So great. Thank you for the sharing those. Anybody else? Okay. The book of Jude. Y'all ready? Here we go. Jude was, yes. You did see where I saw where Willie McLaren was named the interim uh, CEO President, of, the, of the SBC. And it's good, but it also is going to be a challenge because the SBC is having some very serious problems mm-hmm. right now. Uh, yeah. I think we will be fine. We have had, this is not the first time we've had very serious problems. Any of you that have been Southern Baptist and have followed the oh, convention yeah. for the past 50, 60 years, our convention has had problem after problem after problem. And we're still here. But yes, it is great that he's there, uh, but he's going to have his, this is a lot of work, work to be done. So, yeah. But hallelujah, he's there. Amen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. He's got the energy. That's he does. Sure. So Jude was the brother of James, the beloved pastor at Jerusalem. And what else was, was, uh, was Jude? Say it loudly. The half brother of our Lord. How many of you knew Jesus had a half brother? Okay. Well, if you didn't, now you do. Jesus had a half-brother. So what does a half-brother mean? Okay, different dad. Okay, same mother, different dad. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the, the thought, if you've ever wondered, this would be a great question for the board back there. By the way, tell them about the board. Yeah, so if you didn't see the board, I mean, it's pretty hard to miss. But if you did not see it, uh, yeah, this board as well is just kind of displaying some sample questions for you. Um, and we may answer those questions, but, uh, also that board right there in the back as you were coming in, in the entryway, um, that is just a place for you to write down your questions, uh, that you may have about scripture. Um, and really surprisingly, we've said this a few times, it's really surprising how many we have not gotten. Yeah. I I don't understand. Typically, man, when you, when you announce that any, any question you want to ask about the scripture, you normally have a flood of them. We have not had a flood of them. So you need to. To dig in the Bible and, and find that question that you've always wanted to know, and I knew it was going to be there, but David's wanting to know what the Nephilim are in, in Genesis. So I'll yeah. go ahead and answer that for you. We no, don't know. I, I, we don't. We don't I, know. I, I, but, but, but we're going to give you a whole bunch of ideas about who we think they were. Okay? Uh, just for so. an example, too, uh, the first question I, I wrote these down this way so that you it could generate more thoughts. That first question up there is more of a it, it's it's tied to Scripture, obviously, but it's not like a question about a verse. Um, it's just generally about a principle of, of, of the truth of scripture. How do we share the gospel and particularly with our family? So you could ask a question like that, you know, a, a modern day cultural question, uh, that you have, 
Uh, also, you can ask just a straight up biblical question like who are the Nephilim or uh, who is Melchizedek? Um, you could ask a question about what does this verse mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe you've had a verse that you've read, you've read over and it burns in you and you're like, I don't understand what that verse means. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that too. I mean, Any, anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, anything about the script, like, <clears throat> like how did the Bible come to be? How did we get the Bible? Um, how do we know that the Bible is true? How can we trust the authenticity of the Bible? Uh, how many different, I mean, just anything like that that you want to ask, throw it, throw it in the questions and we'll prep for it and we'll have a great discussion about it. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my question, did, who, who knew that Jesus had a half brother? I mean, did you know that? Yes, he, yes, he did. And the thought goes like this, that uh, Joseph at some point died and Mary got, got another, remarried and, and had, had, had more children after that. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what we think. Sure. Yeah. James. Sure. James. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that's a great point. Yes, yeah. that's a great point. All right. So continuing on. Along with his brother, Jude did not believe in the Lord until after the resurrection. Now imagine that. That's probably about how it would play out, wouldn't it? If I was really the Messiah and claimed to be the Messiah and I had brothers... They probably would come and come and rush into me, say, "Man, I'm, I'm so excited that you're the Messiah, my brother. I want to follow you and serve you." And well, like, like Joseph, it's like the Joseph you know, thing all over again. You know, yeah. I had this dream where all these sheaves bowed down to me. I'm like, "Oh, really? Well, we're going to throw you and leave you for dead." And hey, look, and brother Shelby. Hey, look, um, <laughs> I had a dream last night, and you know that Messiah guy that everyone's been looking for forever? I'm him. That's. that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm could you guy. see the conversation going down yes. that way? Yes. So, yeah. not not shocking. Uh, between the resurrection and ascension, both were saved, and they were present in the upper room just prior to Pentecost. We see that uh, proof text in Acts 1, 13. Yeah. So it's really interesting uh, about, about Jude, who he is, his relation to Jesus, um, and this letter that we have from him preserved in the scriptures. Uh, Jude is the only book devoted entirely to the apostasy, which is to come upon Christendom before the Lord Jesus returns. Now, what is apostasy? Somebody tell me what apostasy is right quick. And this would be a microphone moment if somebody wants to say something. So let me get a, a yellow microphone. And if you know what it is, uh, you'll need to run it to him and let him answer. Who knows what apostasy is? Raise your hand. Uh, Tony has got his I, hand up. It is not okay, an we, Italian live delicacy. Live people, we are trying to, to hear you and answer your concerns. Tony Wynn is about to answer. What does it mean to be an apostate or what is apostasy? Isn't apostasy when someone who has been a believer turns against the faith and actually works against the faith? That is exactly right. Yes. Yes. That is exactly right. Very good answer. Y'all give it up for Tony Wynn. Y'all are not nearly animated enough tonight. My goodness gracious. Okay. All right. Jude brings all the teachings about apostasy to a climax, going all the way back to the Garden of the Eden and on through his people Israel right through to present day. So he shows the, the continuing issue that this is not a new problem, that apostasy has been, been something that has happened from, from the beginning all the way up until the end and will continue until the second coming. The book is very similar to Second Peter, which is why uh, we're doing it tonight. A Stringfellow had it in the sequence of, of chapters. He had it right after Second Peter. He had Jude, which is why we did it in that, in that order. So Peter placed the false teachers in the future, 2 Peter 2, 1, whereas Jude saw them as already present, okay? Yeah, and, and we're going to see too, and you know, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but First uh, John, uh, he's going to label them differently, but I really think it's the same deal, oh, yeah. the person we're dealing with, or type of person, he calls them the Antichrist, and he says there are already Antichrists in the church, 
And he says, we know that they're, they're, they weren't of us because they went out from us. And so it's the same kind of deal as the apostates. Um, he just uses that different term, uh, antichrist. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. The central message uh, is actually Jude uh, verse 3. So if you've got your Bible open, uh, we'll, be, we'll be reading the text as we go through the, the PowerPoint or the, um, the uh, slides here. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation... I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So Jude is obviously very concerned um, that the truth is at stake, that these false teachers have, have crept in to, to, the, to the assembly, they have crept in, they have gotten positions of authority and power. And they are threatening to, to overthrow the true gospel uh, in, the, in, in this fellowship or wherever he was in ministry. So it's a very, very serious problem that he's dealing with. Yeah, and I love, I mean, the, the potency of what was happening is, is uh, you know, punctuated or brought even further by the point, by the fact that he says, I wanted to write something else to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I really was eager to write about our common salvation and all of the intricacies and the beauty of the salvation that we share in faith together. But this, this, this issue is so urgent that I couldn't write anything else to you than, than this right here. Yeah, this, and, take, this takes a priority. Yeah, a priority and you think, to contend. you think Peter is intense. You know, we talked about that last Wednesday night. I mean, Jude just, he, he doesn't pull any punches. He shucks the corn, I mean, the wheat. I mean, he yeah. just goes after it. And yep. Yeah, it's, it's intense. It is. So the structure of the book is real simple. Uh, you've got striving for the faith in Jude 3 through verse 16, and then how we can contend for the faith in 17 through 23. Um, why we should uh, contend, why we should strive for the faith is 3 through 16. In verses 3 and 4, we see the apostate teachers creeping into the fold unnoticed. Uh, these were probably even known as good men, and we see two basic details of the faith. They were turning the grace into lasciviousness. And that word, I had to look it up. Uh, I think in other translations, it says licentiousness. So maybe that was a, a version of the word back in the 70s when Dr. Springfellow wrote this study. But it basically means to be filled with or showing sexual desire or to be lustful. So think about that for a second. These false teachers were, were, were taking advantage of the truth of the gospel and somehow perverting that into sexual desire being lustful. The, the, the thing that probably happened was, and you hear this attitude sometimes, well, you know, I'm just forgiven for everything anyway, so it doesn't really matter how I live. I can just go ahead and do whatever I want to do and then ask for forgiveness later. Does the yeah. Bible teach that anywhere? No. Right. Well, in fact, I mean, Paul, Paul confronts that line of thinking, and probably he may have been facing some, of the, some similar lines of thinking when he said this in Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And he goes on, he talks about, he compares baptism and, and talks about our salvation and how we were dead, we died in Christ, and then we were brought to life in Christ. Right. Um, so how can you go on sinning if you've died to sin? And um, so he makes the point against this very logic. They were using grace as a cover to say, oh yeah, you know, we can just go on, you know, sinning and you know, it doesn't even matter. And, you know, like Paul here addresses... May we go on sinning that grace may abound? Absolutely not. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, keep on sinning. 
No, we've died to sin. Exactly. We're supposed to live in Christ. So, so let's go to the, look at the verses there. We've read the verse three. Let's pick up at four and, and just read through. For certain people, and, th- and this is scary to me, okay? Th- this is scary as a, as a Christian leader, and it should scare you as a, as, a, as a faithful member of a church that wants to see, you know, Parkway grow and thrive and, and do well into the future. Okay, because let me tell you what, you're, you're talking about apostles. You're talking about men that, that, were, that walked with Christ and knew him writing like this. So if it was that bad back then, imagine how bad it could be today when we're generations and generations and generations removed from the original carriers of the message. Just think about that. So it says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people, uh, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but it was years ago, probably, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago, I, I caught a either an article or it was a it was a um, it was a christian leader or something that was talking about this um, this p- pornography actress who actually thought it was okay that she was a professing christian involved in the work of pornography and thought it was okay to do that Had, did, did not see the adultery in, involved in what she was doing and thought that God would forgive her so it was okay for her to do that. Mm. That's, that's kind of what this is hitting at. Yeah. It's, it's that mentality to think it's okay to be in adultery, to think it's okay you know, to, to live in sin and those types of things and God's just going to forgive me. That, that, I mean, that, that target right there are the false teachers that they are saying have crept in. And they have crept in. In other words, they, they've crept in in a way that was unnoticed. Maybe they were... Maybe they, they talked like everybody else. Maybe they were very. They seemed on the surface to be very more moral people. I think that um, Stringfellow uses a great example. Said so they were probably known as what? Good men, meaning what? Good old boys. Good old. Oh, that's a great term. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Good old boys that everybody knows. You know, well, sure, so and so is not not doing anything wrong. You know, he's. We just, you know, we just need to accept it. Just be okay with that. And Jude says no. That's how they have crept in un, unnoticed into the assembly and uh, these that were designated for condemnation, ungodly people, and so forth. Yeah, so. and I, I think that another danger here is you may, you may think in your mind and your heart that if we had someone like this in our church and they said every, something every now and then that just seemed a little off from the gospel and you're like, ah, well, I disagree with them. And I, actually, I think that that's a very terrible theology and, and that could lead some people in a bad path. But uh, they're, they're, they're okay, you know, they're good. I mean, and I'm not going to be susceptible to it. I mean, I'm firm in my faith. Well, guess what? You're firm in your faith because you've matured over time and other people, other Christians have guarded you. They, they've, they've stayed in the line of fire for you. And so it's, it's your turn, if you're firm in your faith, to, to debunk this person and, and to challenge them on what they've said in a loving way. I mean, we, ch- we challenge them in a loving way because they may just be ignorant. They may not know, you know, but if they do know, that's even worse if they've crept in and snuck in, then you are the one holding the gates. You're the one that's taking the fiery arrows from Satan now, and you're, you're helping your brothers and sisters who are weaker and need your help. And so just because it may not affect you doesn't mean it won't affect someone else uh, who hears it and picks it up and thinks it's catchy. And if you don't think it happens, history tells us it happens all the time. People get deceived 
all the time. And that's why we have to cling to this book with desperation in our hearts. Amen. So, Good words. Yeah. So I think, I think we've done enough on that. Let's move forward. So certain doom, verses 5 and 7, he says certain doom on these false teachers in verses 5 and 7 is foretold and illustrated by three historic examples of apostasy from the past. Now, th- these, are, these are horrifying examples. Yeah. Um, in Egypt, uh, who knows what he's talking about in Egypt and can give a, just a brief explanation of what he's talking about there. Anybody want to take up the mantle and give it a shot? I've got it in parentheses for you there. Uh, where am I? I mean, what, what about Egypt? Yeah, it says, it says afterward, he says... Um, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So what's he talking about? Jack, Jack, microphone? Oh, yeah, sorry. I know. It's that, that, that's why this doesn't happen very easily, because it yeah. takes a couple Thank of you. seconds to get the microphone to him. Is it on, Jack? Be sure it's on before you stop talking. Yeah, I think the red light is still on. Just say check, check in the microphone. No, push the button on the bottom and hold it just for a second. It'll, the little red light will glow. And then you can just leave it on and just leave it here in this chair. It'll probably be the best thing. Logan, think, hey, Logan. A, Logan, you got us on yellow. The yellow yeah, microphone is yellow on. Hot. Okay. I think it's on. There, there, there it is. No, no, no. Okay. So what, what is he talking about in Egypt in verse 5 where he says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved people afterwards destroyed those who do not believe. What's he talking about? Okay, the Egypt part, he's talking about whenever the, the people had, had, had uh, God had forgiven them and brought them out, and, and they had promised to follow God faithfully. And when Moses went to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, he was gone. He was studying in Sunday school. He was gone 40 days and 40 nights. And 40 nights. And, and in that time, Logan, go red, please. The yellow one's dying or something. Red microphone. Well, the people disobeyed God in because they, they went to Aaron and asked him to make them a new, a new leader, a, someone to lead them because they didn't know what happened to Moses. They didn't know if he'd ever come back or not. Okay. So Aaron made, he collected earrings from all the women and from all the gold that was taken out of Egypt. And he made a golden calf. This is the women's fault. Are y'all hearing this? Viola's <laughs> <laughs> tuned in. But, not the, but they also, also collected all the gold that was taken out of Egypt. Yeah. And, and he made a golden calf. And in that golden calf... They disobeyed God. They turned against Him because now they had a new, they had a new God. Okay. And because of that sin, they were just. Whenever Moses came back down out of the mountain, of course he threw the tablets at the base. But he he told the people, those that are with me, come to come to me. Those that are not, stay where you are. Yeah, that's right. And when he did that, the ones that were that didn't come. They were destroyed. Got, got yeah. slaughtered. That's exactly but, right. But even the ones that came to him still paid a price because they wandered for 40 years. There you go. Un- until that yeah. generation that sinned against God right. died. So, yeah. so, so what Jack is saying is that from, from the golden calf incident to the rebellion of the, 
of the unfaithful spies and those that fell in the 40 years in the desert. All that, that's, that's all these that are talking about were apostates. All that was apostasy and all of them were destroyed. That's, that's, that's great. Yep. Okay, the angels uh, kept not their first estate. Who knows what that's talking about? All right, Jim. Now, you two guys can't play round robin all night now. Other people have got to play. Uh, <laughs> and we're staying away from dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. It's got to be to talk about the angels that followed uh, Satan or Lucifer Correct. when he rebelled against God and that's the, right. the angels went with him. That's exactly right. Yeah, spoken of in Revelation. Very good. And then Sodom and Gomorrah. I think, we, I think everybody knows what Sodom and Gomorrah was about, was the, was the city uh, that, uh, that was absolutely uh, engulfed in immorality, homosexuality, um, every, every carnal sin that you can imagine was being perpetrated by Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? What did God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? Just, just, just yeah. totally destroyed it. Okay, so, so that's what you see here. Uh, you see him using these examples to try to communicate uh, the danger of turning from God uh, for following, following false gods, false idols, and so forth. You know, something that's really cool here in this moment, too, and it's something that's really easy to overlook, I feel like, but when you read the verse, verse uh, 5, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed those <laughs> yeah. who did not believe. Now, we, we traditionally, and this, this kind of ties into a heresy that's, that some believed back in the day around, I think it was like the third uh, century or so, A.D., um, but, but basically, the idea was that God the Father was the God of the Old Testament, that, the, that Jesus was the God of the New Testament time where he was on the earth, and then that the Holy Spirit was the God of the church age. Marcy. And that's, that's the Marcion heresy, Marcy. heresy meaning that it's false teaching, um, and because right here, this debunks it. Who was there? Who was there? Jesus was there. Christ and I, and it, it so beautifully reflects the Trinity that Jesus was the one that was doing this uh, by the bidding of the Father. I, I think that, you know, just like in creation, the creation moment, you see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the salvation moment, you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, the dove descended on Jesus when he was baptized. Um, you know, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. You see them, all three of them working in conjunction in, in all of these moments. And this is just another moment I think that's really neat. Uh, just a little diamond uh, in the scriptures there that's really cool. Yep. So. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, now next is Jude describes in harsh terms the character and conduct of these false teachers. He compares them with three historic figures remembered for ungodly acts and attitudes. All right, Cain, what, what Cain do? And, and we're, we're, we're at 628, so we need to speed it up a little bit or we're not going to be finished with this small book tonight. And I'm never going to hear the end of it if we don't finish this tonight. Um, the youth are behind. We're all I, good. I, it's a, <laughs> so somebody, so why don't you just say who Cain is, Colton? Uh, so Cain, if you remember, he is the first son. So uh, he is the first son other than Adam, Adam, the son of God. Um, but, you know, little s son of God. Um, but Cain is the first son born by Adam and Eve. And uh, do you guys remember what he's famous for? Killing his brother. Killing his brother. That's exactly. right. Took him out in the field and was jealous and killed his brother. Yep. And so, and I like what he says here, Cain, uh, the natural man having his own, own way. way. I really like that. Y'all should highlight yep. that because... 
because a lot of our sin is rooted in I want my way. So right. I thought that was really good how he said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cain, Cain had an opportunity. God gave him an opportunity to, yeah. mm-hmm. to, 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 make, it, to make it right. Yeah. yeah. And, and he didn't. I mean, it's terrible. Uh, Balaam, of course, we know Balaam was the, was the prophet that was hired uh, to bring a, uh, a, a bad oracle against Israel as they were passing through the land. And, okay. Uh, and, and Balaam's story, I, I won't take long on this one. Just go read Balaam's story again. If yeah. you don't remember all the details, it is, he is, he will go down in history as one of the, I've got to be careful with my words here, just one of the silliest prophets. Um, I mean, he wasn't a prophet for the Lord and the Lord used him anyway. <laughs> so it's uh, Numbers right. 22. Well, actually he's pretty bad because oh. uh, they even talk about that uh, in the letter to the churches that they still fall the way of Balaam. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So he basically took money and, and was paid to prophesy against Israel, but at the last second, could he do it? He couldn't do it. <laughs> he could not do it. And so, uh, so he's saying, do not be like him. Don't be like this historic figure. And then Korah, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, not, I mean, not like because I enjoy the story, <laughs> but, but uh, you it's have... sobering. Yeah, you have these leaders um, that are in charge of... of, um, of they were Levites, and they turned against Moses and questioned him, his authority. Uh, Moses fell on his face in anguish over it, demanded that they all bring their censers before the tent of meeting at a specific time and let God decide who the true leaders were. Does anybody remember what happened? They got burned up. The earth opened up and consumed not just the male leaders, but consumed who? All their families, all their children, Consumed their entire entire corporate existence uh, of them, and so Jude uses this controversial, horrible story to send a powerful message about these false teachers, how damaging they are, and how much God hates it. Um, I, I think we do. I think in the modern day church, we do a great injustice to people who are trending in a very bad direction by ignoring it, pretending that it's okay, saying, oh, well, they're, they're, not really, they're not really doing that. Yes, they are. They're doing it. They're perverting God's word. And, and we, as people who are trying to be orthodox and right, it is our responsibility to go after them in a loving way and try to retrieve them from their blindness in, in their beliefs. Um, I, it just never ceases to amaze me that for, for, because of the sake of politeness and societal pleasantries, we will ignore clear warnings in Scripture. Have y'all ever noticed that? We, 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 just, we just do, okay? All right, let's move on. Yeah. In verses 12 through 13, there are six metaphors um, describing the apostate teachers. I'm going to go ahead and bring these on out. Jude 12, he calls them Spots. Let's see what my Bible says, the ESV says. Reefs. These are blemishes or spots, hidden rocks, hidden reefs, as they feast without fear, looking after themselves. Waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up foams. Let's do these. So the spots in verse 12, these are blemishes on your love feasts. Um, so I think uh, some translations said reefs. Does some transla- some, somebody's translations have reef in it? Reefs. Mean, meaning that while you're out there going along having this wonderful love feast, you don't even realize it, but that if there's a reef you're going to hit, and you hit the reef and it destroys everything. It's, it's kind of the illustration there. Um, 
We have these reefs. We have uh, blemishes. They feast without fear, looking after themselves, waterless clouds. Um, false shepherds is what he calls them, feed their own desires without fear. Uh, that would be like if uh, Coulter and I were false shepherds, uh, it would mean that we're here for the money and nothing else. That's all we're here for. We're, we're, we're here just to get fat. I, I moved up here just to finance my Jeep habit. That's why I moved up here, right? I moved up here for the big money so I can make, so I can make beautiful Jeeps. I don't care what happens at the church. You know, I come up here, warm the chair, make y'all think I'm really working, but deep inside... I don't, I, it's, it's all about the money and that's what I'm here for. Mm. That's a false shepherd. And I can promise you that's not who I am. Okay? And you know that probably, many of you by personal experience. Uh, I tell you the truth, no matter how bad it hurts me and hurts you. You tell me the truth, hopefully no matter how bad it hurts you and hurts me. Because if we don't tell each other the truth, we really are hurting each other. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so clouds without water, meaning, meaning you have this cloud coming around, but what comes out of it? Nothing. <laughs> to feed the, cro- to feed the crops. I mean, have you, have you ever been, you ever known somebody that was a farmer that was in dire need of rain? And, and, and you have all these fronts come through, all these clouds, and it looks like it's fixing a rain, but what doesn't happen? It doesn't rain. Rise bone. It's, it's just like, you know, you have somebody that, that claims to be a believer, that claims to have the truth, but when you're around them and you talk to them and they come into the assembly, they give you nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's like, it's like, it's like hearing, you know, going to a church and wanting to hear the gospel preached and sitting there and hearing nothing but stories or nothing but jokes told the entire time you're there to hear the truth. I mean, cloud without water. I mean, I'm, I'm there because I want to be corrected. I need to be corrected. I need to be admonished. Yeah. I mean, I need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. I want the Word of God to stab me through the heart because I know the sinful man that I am, you know? Absolutely. So, all right, moving right along. Trees without fruit. You take those three. Yeah, trees without fruit, uh, describing the barren profession of apostasy, produces nothing. It's kind of like the waterless clouds again, uh, but, but, but a little more, you go to the tree, uh, the fruit tree, because you're hoping that you're going to nourish yourself uh, with its fruit, and it bears nothing. Uh, it gives you no good fruit. And that's what these false teachers were doing, these uh, apostates. They were proclaiming things that had no valuable nourishment uh, spiritually to them. I, this is my favorite one, Raging Waves of the Sea, um, describing the wasted effort of apostasy. I really like this because it's not saying that they're a weak wave. It's not saying that the wave that they produce is not weak. It could be, it could be a big, strong tsunami wave uh, that's loud and ruckus and, and energetic, full of energy, but it's going the wrong direction. It's not, it's not serving the right purpose. And we know, we've seen this before in our lives, if you've lived long enough, uh, misdirected energy, yep. right? And so that's what they are, basically, and, and not going in the way of the Lord. Uh, wandering stars, that's supposed to be stars yeah, if you're looking your book, in your, your book. book actually had stars, stars. in it. <laughs> that, like, confused me for, like, 20 minutes. I'm like, stars? Just a minute. I was, yeah, and then yeah. I read it, so, and I'm like, no, that's stars. There was just a typo in <laughs> yeah. there. So. Uh, describing the aimless purpose of all false teaching. Yeah, I mean, does a star wander? I mean, most stars, they stay in place, right? I mean, that's kind of the point he's making. There's a wandering star. I mean, a wandering star doesn't help anybody. Because, I mean, the whole, like, like, when you are trying to plot a course as a, as a sailor on the seas, what do you depend on being in place? The stars. If the star wanders, you can't follow it. Now, now Jesus' star was different. We know that. But, but he means like wandering stars, just aimless purpose of false teaching. Yeah. All right, then we have the Enoch prophecy of coming destruction, which is really fascinating. I'll tell you, yeah, Mary Lauren, 
somehow, I don't know if they studied it in youth or when she studied this, but she had a bunch of questions about this. Uh, the other, I told you about that. Yeah. The other night at the house, came, sat down, had her Bible out, looked me dead in the eyes, started asking me a bunch of questions about Enoch. You ever had that happen at your house? <laughs> it was just kind of weird. You know, well, Dad, why, why can't, you know, there was a book of Enoch, so, so why can't we, I mean, why don't we believe if Enoch was talked about in the Bible and he was quoting the scripture, why can't we trust the book of Enoch? I said, we can trust what portions of the book of Enoch were cited in Scripture, we can trust as Scripture. But the parts of the book that are not cited in Scripture, we can't trust as Scripture. That's how we know whether or not we can trust it because the Holy Spirit put it in the Bible. And then she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Discipleship 101. Amen. In so the, the Enoch prophecy, 14 and 15, let's read that. It is also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Wow. So Enoch predicted the what? Second coming of Christ. Okay, now hold on just a second. When did Enoch live? Way back there. Yeah. Now, now we laugh and joke about how long we spent in the book of Hebrews. Okay, and I know some of y'all mean that in good fun, and I know some people mean it really as a jab, a serious jab. But the fact of the matter is, you would not know what we know about Enoch if it were not for the book of Hebrews. Because the book of Hebrews helps us interpret exactly what Genesis talked about. And so here you have Enoch who was taken up, one of the, two, one of the few people in the Bible that was translated into heaven without dying. And he, before Christ's first coming, prophesied the second coming of Christ. So you think he was pretty special in giving that revelation? Oh, oh, yes. And can anyone uh, tell us where the first sighting of, of, I guess you could say prophecy, uh, prediction of Jesus' coming is? Before that, before Enoch. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. That's it. Genesis 3.15. Yeah. Genesis 3.15. Okay, so Enoch announced two great events. The Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints and then to execute judgment on the ungodly, obviously talking about the second coming. Uh, here's some uh, passages. Yes, sir. You sure can. Enoch, Enoch in, I believe it's in 2 Kings, in, 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 uh, whenever he had conflict with the Amram people, uh, they sent a whole army out. It was just Enoch and, his, and the man that was with him, his partner. And they sent him, they sent, they, th this army went out and surrounded the town that they were in because they had learned that God was using Enoch to spoil their plans when they tried to attack the Jewish people. So they were going to, so they were going to destroy the, the intelligence, the person that was giving the intelligence. Now, Jack, are you talking about Elijah? That was Enoch, wasn't it? No, Elijah. I, th I, think, I think Elijah, with, with his shield bearer, or with, uh, not shield bearer, with his... With his uh, yeah, that was Elijah. His servant. The shield bearer said that the whole army's out there. That's Elijah. And then he turned, yeah, but look who else is out there. And then God opened the, the, the shield bearer's eyes and he saw, yeah. saw 10,000. That sounds like a question for the board. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. That's, that's, that's why we're all we're, iron sharpens iron. We're all here together. Man, yep. dude, that's, that's no problem, Jack. I, I, yeah. I mean, I remember I thought uh, you pronounced 
uh, Sennacherib, the leader of the Assyrian army, is Sennacherib for about 10 years. I mean, it's, you know, we're, 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 we, every, every day is a learning experience. Shelby, you, yes. st you still call Shekinah, glory of God, Shekinah. Shekinah, yeah, I know, I know. That's, that's you the, know you do that wrong. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the cooler yeah. way to say it, Tony. And, uh, Shekinah glory is the cooler way to say it. And, well, it ain't, it's not the way <laughs> and, and let's definitely not forget Theophilus, for heaven's sake, right? I mean, let's not forget that, Joanna, right? Theophilus, man. Uh, All right, so, so uh, Colossians 3, 4, here's some supporting text. Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. First Thessalonians 3.13, so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. All this is talking about the second coming. Uh, but by the same word, uh-oh, did I die? I don't know. You're dead. I'm dead. Logan, can you run me some batteries, please, sir? Um, by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of them. Why don't you take over since you got a battery? Of the ungodly. Mm -hmm. That is 2 Peter 3, 7, which we were just there. Okay, so how can we... Um, am I saying that right? Let's see. How can we contend, I'm sorry, for the faith? Let's see here. Let me just bring all that out. Yeah. Uh, apostasy, apostasy has been foretold. See? More mistakes. Uh, apostasy has been foretold we have been warned, Jude 17 through 19, uh, and I'll just read that real quickly because I think it's uh, good to go through these. Uh, Jude 17 through 19. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own uh, God ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit." Um, and then we have, we are to be, uh, to build up ourselves in faith, to pray, to keep ourselves in God's love, to look for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to win the lost. Yeah, and, and, there's, and there's one thing about, about those verses that, that, you, that you really need to take to heart, okay? Um, how many of y'all have like lived in this area most of your life? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, Okay. But apostasy happens everywhere, okay? Chances are somebody that you know right now, right now, that has claimed to be a believer their whole life will one day apostatize, okay? So when this happens, when it happens, Jesus is saying through Jude, don't be surprised because it is going to happen and it's a sign of the end. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. I mean, we, we live in this idea that because we have lived around somebody their whole lives and that we know them, that, that they're, they're in. They're in. They're okay. Everything's fine. That is, that is not true. How long did Judas walk with Christ? Three years. How long did Demas travel with Paul? And you would have thought by looking at them and seeing them that they were in and they were the part of the plan, but in the end they were proven not to be. And that, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Now, we don't walk around hoping that happens. We don't want that to happen. God forbid none of us ever want to see anything befall anybody like that. But what I'm saying is, is that when it happens, don't be so shocked that you're in disbelief and you blame anybody else for the situation but who? that person, period. Yeah. I've seen it happen so many times 
People walk away from the faith and they want to blame everybody else involved in that situation except the person that walked away. So please remember that. And just remember, when you're trying to nurse that person that's, that's gone... And you know they're gone, but you're trying to defend them, protect them, nurse them. You're spending all this time on them. You're wasting time when you could be pouring into those who are really there and who are really wanting to be faithful. Um, so, Jack. Question. You know, in this day and time, the people that you're, like the kind of people you're talking about, you know, yeah, they're in our, they're probably in our churches. Sure. But because we're used to being around people and like say for, for a long time is a characteristic of an apostate somebody like that person that they always seem to find something wrong with somebody they always seem to 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 want to call other people up on the floor because they're not practicing their, I, I, their religion the way they think they ought to. I think it could be. I, I think the key thing that you look at, like, like, like when you read Hebrews and you read the passages about apostasy, I think there's a difference between a professing believer that has backslidden, a professing believer that, that doesn't attend church. Uh, I, when, I, when I think of apostasy, I think of somebody that is turned and mocks and ridicules and tries to turn other people away. That, that, that's, what, that's what I see in an apostate. That, that's why sometimes I hear people talk about, you know, Peter, that Peter denied Jesus. I mean, he denied Christ three times. And I've heard some people refer to, you know, Peter as apostasy. And, and, and I mean, by definition, I mean, he did. He denied Jesus. I mean, I mean, simply put, yes. But he quickly came back. He quickly came back, uh, was restored, and Jesus, you know, reinstituted him. Um, but but I, when, I, when I look at the landscape and living as long as I've lived and seen that, which, I mean, I haven't lived that long, but you know what I'm saying. In, in Christianity, um, I can think of a comedian right now uh, that, that actively, actively brings uh, and mocks and ridicules Christianity in, in, in his routine. And, and he, I would classify him as an apostate because he was at one time a regular attender, said he believed, and then in his comedy routine... He starts talking about the fact that the dude ain't coming back. Everybody says he's coming back. He's not coming back. And I'm like, man, you're fulfilling Second Peter right now with every word you're saying. You know? yeah. so, and, and mocks and ridicules Christianity in public in part of his routine, which contributes to more people questioning and doubting and turning from Jesus. So that, that's what I consider an apostate. Somebody that's just kind of like ragging on other people for not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, I wouldn't say that's full-blown. It could be, but I, I, I would have to know a little bit more intimately about you know, who it was and what they were doing. So in this day and time, we would be hard-pressed hard to find an apostate in our church. In our you know, I, I don't know, and I, I think to your uh, question too, Jack, if you look back at Jude, uh, especially verse 8, I think, I think he kind of gives us a profile of what these apostates look like. He says, yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, which he's talking about sexual immorality there, reject. Now, here, here I think is one of the biggest ones. They reject authority. Yeah. Anytime that you see someone who is outright rejecting authority, 
especially the, the vested authority in the church. And I say, when I say vested authority, uh, we are authorities in the church, but that's only because the congregation has approved that authority. And, God, and, and, so, and like so, God has recognized that authority. I truly believe that. And so, so they hate, they reject authority. And I, I think, again, in our day, more than any other characteristic, that one stands out to me as one that we need to be careful and watch out for. Uh, when someone just outright rejects authority, yeah. someone who knows better, and yet they, they are willing to fight against um, clear direction that the pastoral staff is giving, or, or, the, or the pastors are giving, or just any other authority, the deacon body is, is trying to give. Um, I think that that's a huge one. Or, or, blatantly, going. Just, just, or blatantly disregard Scripture, yeah. what, what, what Scripture yeah. clearly teaches. Yeah. And you say, I know the Scripture says that, but, but that can't be true. That, that, I mean, I mean a, a professing believer that has the Holy Spirit in their, in their, in their body and is regenerated, they're not going to say that. They're not going to say that. They might struggle with the teaching. Right. They might say something like, I know the Bible says that, but I really really struggle with that. That's different than totally disagreeing with it and saying, I don't believe it and I'm not going to do it. That's different. And I mean, those little nuances make a difference. And what is the Bible? The Word of God. It's, a, it's authority. <laughs> yep. It's God's authoritative word to us. So, All right. We're going to finish. We are. Yes. Ten minutes. Jude 22 and 23. We could describe it the following examples. He just gives you some examples that, that he came up with of, of, of how you could apply these texts or see some case studies. Jude 22 could be illustrated by those who need tender, firm care because of things such as alcohol or drugs. 22 says, and they have mercy on those who doubt save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So the first part of Jude 23 could be illustrated by an unsaved person being strongly influenced to join a perverted cult. The second part of Jude 23 could be illustrated by a Christian man dealing with a beautiful woman concerning immorality in her life. So he's just giving you some, you, you can come up with all different types of scenarios that those few verses could be describing. He just gives you some out of his own mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the closing doxology is uh, considered one of the greatest doxologies in the New Testament. And it's uh, verse 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Man, I just love that yeah. exaltation of, oh, yeah. of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. Just, right. just let those words just resonate in your heart that he's Lord. Uh, he has all the glory. He's majestic. Uh, he has all dominion, which means he rules over all things and all authority. Um, I just, man, it's good stuff. Good, amazing way to end. Now, it's uh, 6.52, so we've got just a couple minutes to, to hit this added note here because I know that this, this would definitely be a question that's on the board. Um, <laughs> verse 9. I'll just read verse 8 coming into 9. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams, as you pointed out, Colton, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. All right, so what in the world is going on with the archangel Michael and the devil and Moses and the body of Moses? Well, discussion rages over this issue through the years. 
Um, I think that he is dead on with what he is saying here. Uh, and, I, and I'll give you the reason why I think this is true. Um, because Satan wanted the body to be worshipped by Israel as a sacred idol. Uh, do you remember the um, remember when Israel was in the um, was in the wilderness wanderings and they had the plague of the snakes? Do y'all remember that? What did uh, what did they tell Moses? What did God tell Moses to fashion and put on a pole? A bronze serpent. Do you remember what Hezekiah destroyed during his revival in Israel? The bronze serpent. So the bronze serpent had actually become a religious relic that they actually worshipped because it was made by the hands of Moses. So think if they worshipped something that was made by Moses, what would they have done with Moses' body? They would have... So they came from Egypt, so they probably knew taxidermy. They, they would have taken Moses and stuffed him somehow and kept him in something... Now, y'all laugh, I mean, I, but I'm serious as a heart attack because I laugh too. I didn't mean to, I'm not, don't, please don't take that as me getting on to you. I, I didn't mean that. But, but here's, here's why I know that's true. Guess who right now is in stasis in Russia? Oh, Vladimir Lenin to this day, to this day, they spend about $150,000 a year keeping his body in stasis in that tomb in Russia. Why? to worship him. I, I, I personally think, I think they really believe. I think they really believe that dude's going to come back to life. That's what I think. I think they believe that if they try hard enough and wash his body enough and keep his organs preserved enough that that, that dude one day will come back to life and, 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 re, and, and, and be their leader again. I really believe that. So there's no question in my mind that, that, uh, that yeah. they would have absolutely worshipped Moses if God had not hidden his body. Yeah, just some uh, oh. What? Yeah, I was going to the same place. We'll read it. Okay. All right. And then we're done. Um, let's see here. Find it in the Bible. No, we're not. I've got so much more to say. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Verse five. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of, uh, of his burial to this day. Which is, so, I mean, just mysterious. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say, so I did have something else to say. No, but, no, no, you did. Um, yeah. the, the, the passage itself, so you go back to Jude, and what is, what is he saying? Because, I mean, I was reading this today and wrestling around with it. It's, it's not an easy text to just kind of pick up and just right away, it's like, boom, I understand exactly what he's saying. Well, it comes back to that issue again, and this is, again, why I said it was so important, authority. Even Michael himself uh, doesn't pronounce uh, words against Satan, which you would think, you're like, well, why wouldn't he? Just diss Satan, you know, in, in our lingo today. I mean, come on, come on, Michael, just throw a diss, a taunt out to Satan. Well, no, he's not going to do that because Michael knows his place. He knows the order of things. And even the enemy of God, he's, he's respectful enough to God, not to Satan, but to God to say, God, you're the one that pronounces judgments, not me. And so he says, the Lord rebuke you, is what Michael says to Satan. He doesn't say, I'll rebuke you in my power. He would have been playing into Satan's hand then, right? Like, because that's exactly what Satan gave into. He says, no, the Lord rebuke you. Yeah. And that's the difference in these men, these apostates. That's what, he, that's what Jude is saying. They have this attitude where they say, I know the words of God. I know I could give God counsel, 
right? I, I will be, and basically what they're saying is, I am God. <laughs> that's, that's what these apostates at the end of the day, they're looking out for number one, um, and that's what it becomes about them. So, and, and Michael demonstrates how we put the power in God's hands where it actually is anyway, and not in our own. So, anyway. Beautiful. All right, questions, uh, then, we're, then we're done. Uh, what was the authorship, why was the authorship of Second Peter questioned? First Peter, it was the style. First Peter was just exquisite Greek, exquisite. Second Peter, it was like an uneducated fisherman wrote it. Get it? Get it? Uneducated fisherman wrote it. What was the main emphasis of Second Peter and Jude? Apostasy, false teaching. Can you tell uh, how the Bible was given to us? Second Peter one twenty one. Yes, yes. Very good. Yep, and then who was Titus? We know who Titus was. He was one of uh, Paul's uh, protégés that followed him around and was a disciple of Paul. All right, very good. That is it. Logan, you wait back there? Okay. Um, I'm fixing to shut this down, so normally he stops that up there um, so it doesn't show the whatever may pop up there. All right. Um, prayer requests. Yes. All right. Then we're done here tonight. Okay. Got um, all these. Do you mind first? Sure. Go ahead. Um, so there's two. I will just say this. There's two that were kind of just marked private, so I'm not going to mention those. But uh, please just unspoken pray for those. Uh, the Lord knows. So you can always pray about that. Uh, and then there's um, David Westmoreland, uh, Janice Shear. Um, his sister has COVID. So please be praying for uh, Janice. And uh, that's it on my, my list. Okay, very good. Uh, David Fleming put Angela, is it Kate's? Yates? Yates. Yates. Um, friend of an employee asked to be added. Okay, a lot, a lot of, sounds like a lot of sick family members and health issues. Uh, Kelsey and Ryan, just pray for them. Busy season of life, kids working life. I feel you, 100%. Uh, Jennifer Miller, grandmother, has reoccurrence of bladder cancer. I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Okay. Well, I'll pray for us tonight, brother. All right, man. Sounds okay. Good. All right, here we go. Y'all bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for tonight and the, the privilege and blessing of studying your word together. I thank you for these brothers and sisters of ours that are so faithful to come. I thank you for those that have tuned in by live feed tonight. Oh, Lord, I know we always probably miss a prayer request, and we will just ask for grace and uh, mercy and forgiveness uh, if we have forgotten uh, a request somebody has sent in. It's very difficult to, uh, to, to, to manage prayer requests because we get so many on a regular basis from so many directions. Uh, but, Father, we know that whether or not we mention it over this live feed, Lord, you, you read our hearts and minds. You know what we need before we even ask for it. Uh, so, so we know that you will, um, that you will uh, oversee and give watch care uh, to your perfect, pleasing and perfect will, Father. And, and so we can always take confidence in knowing that. We mentioned Angela um, Yates' family. We mentioned the Sims, uh, the Millers, uh, Lord, uh, um, just uh, David Westmoreland, his sister with COVID. I know that we have many others, Father, that are struggling with COVID at this time. Uh, Lord, I thank you that, um, that, it, that it seems to be not quite as bad as it has been in the past. Um, you know, as we, we had it about a week ago and it just wasn't that bad. It's still COVID. It's still dangerous. We still need to be careful, still need to pray and, and, uh, and, and provide watch, care, and prayer for those that, that can have it and take precautions. 
uh, to be sure that those that are immune deficient don't get it. Uh, but Lord, I, I do believe uh, that you. Um, I do believe that this thing seems to be waning, and we, we continue to ask for, for mercies from you as we continue to deal with it. Uh, Lord, all these requests, Father, that have been mentioned tonight, we, uh, we ask you to, to fulfill them to your pleasing and perfect will, Lord. We thank you um, for our church, for the wonderful things we see going on here, for these that have come tonight. Father, I thank you for, um, for all the babies, uh, Lord, that are, that, are, that are coming soon uh, to our congregation, and just the, the great encouragement that is to me as a pastor to, uh, to see the, the fruit of the womb uh, coming here, Lord, and it's just, uh, it's just wonderful. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for our leadership. I pray for our music uh, search team that continues to faithfully meet uh, to try to, um, to, to locate our new music leader. Uh, we pray that, that you would be with them and give them wisdom and guidance as they do that. I pray that you be uh, with uh, Colton and Clayton and Carol and uh, Cindy and all of our other, all of our uh, staff and, and servants and help us to continue to work together in unity uh, to, um, to be sure that we fulfill the mission which you've called us to here, Lord. Now, that's all we want to do. We, we, we want to build up, we want to build up this flock for works of service and to take your name to the nations so that everyone that will, that will hear you and believe uh, will be saved. So, Father, again, thank you for tonight and the privilege of being here. And we ask that you go with us now and bring us back on Sunday. And um, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live feed. Thank you so much for being a part of our session this evening. Hope the microphones helped you. Good night. <laughs>